0: The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. The 2020 US presidential election is happening in November. And in this episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we're going to take a look at who can become president, how the parties elect their candidates, the all-important numbers, and what to watch out for in this 2020 election. Squiz Shortcuts is your shortcut to more than the headlines. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's start with the basics, Claire, with looking at who can become president. What's the checklist? According
1: to the US Constitution, you must be a natural-born citizen in the United States. You have to be a resident for at least 14 years and be aged 35 years and over. But you're out of the count if you've been impeached by the House of Representatives and
0: convicted in the Senate. And just to clarify, current US President Donald Trump was exonerated in his impeachment trial in the US Senate, which means he is free to run again in 2020. The US holds their elections every four years, Claire. That's right. And no
1: president can be elected more than twice. So the maximum time anyone can be president is
0: eight years. Like many other democracies around the world, the US has two major political parties. That's the Republicans and the Democrats. Fun fact, George Washington, the first US president, was actually the only president to be unaffiliated with a political party. There you go. There you go. So let's take a look at each party, starting with the Democrats.
1: The Democratic Party formed in 1828. It's the world's oldest political party. Right. It started from a position of supporting limited government and state sovereignty. It opposed, though, the banks and supported slavery. Mm. But these days, it's a party that stands for small L liberal values. That means that the Democrats generally support strong government initiatives and some socially progressive positions. And how about the
0: Republicans?
1: The Republican Party is sometimes referred to as the GOP, which is the Grand Old Party. Mm -hmm. It started from a position of opposing the expansion of slavery and supported economic reform. These days, it supports things like lower taxes, free markets, although Donald Trump is A bit of a fan of tariffs, so that's a a little bit contrary to its recent positions. Also things like restrictions on immigration and
0: increased military spending, also very strong on gun rights. So that's the two parties. In this next section, we're going to take a look at how each party picks their presidential candidate. The Republicans and Democrats select their candidate through a series of votes through a caucus or a primary. These take place in primary season, which runs from January to June in an election year. It's quite a process, Claire.
1: Yeah, it really is. These primaries and caucuses happen on a state by state basis. There are some differences between how a primary and a caucus is run, but we won't go into that here. The voting process, though, kicks off in the state of Iowa and New Hampshire. They tend to set the scene for the the following primaries that are run in other states. They have a sort of distorted influence on the results, certainly in the early days, but it's not
0: always the case. So during the primary season, the party's candidates are actually fighting against each other to become the presidential candidate. How does that work? Yeah, it seems a bit odd to
1: us, doesn't it, that you go for months where you're actually fighting those on your own side. But in each vote, the top candidates receive either all or a percentage of the state's delegates. Those delegates then go on to vote in their state selection for each party's nominating convention. That's held mid-year and that's where the final party candidate is announced.
0: So this year the Democrats will hold their convention from the 13th to the 16th of July and a month later the Republicans will hold their own national convention between the 24th and 27th of August. So we've covered the way the parties pick their presidential candidate. Let's move on to the presidential election campaign itself and what it takes to win. At just two and a half months long, the actual battle between the two candidates is a lot shorter than the party's process to find a candidate. The election campaign itself is a fairly simple process. There's three presidential debates and those are held between September and October and one vice presidential debate.
1: These debates play a pretty big role in the process of presidential elections. They kind of set the timeline for the bits in between where these presidential candidates are out and about. They can play an important role in helping voters make up their minds. In a close race, particularly when there's a very polarised electorate, a shift of just a few percentage points can really make the difference of a very big deal and the ultimate support for the guy, and usually it's
0: a guy, that goes on to (laughs) win the role of president. And on the first Tuesday in November, voters then go to the polls to elect their president. But let's talk about the Electoral College system let's talk about the election. Because
1: that is college a big deal here. It really is. And when Americans vote on election day, they're casting a vote for the position of electors in their state. This really is the foundation of what's called the electoral college system. We're probably going to hear a lot more about that this year. The college system ensures that each state gets a certain number of electors based on its total number of representatives in Congress. There's some weighting involved, usually in favour of the smaller states and also of regional voters, but supporters say that it's a very important feature
0: of the system. So different states get a different amount of votes in the Electoral College.
1: That's right. And it depends on the population of the state. So California, which has a really high population, has 55 votes. And then you get somewhere like Delaware, which is much smaller. They've got three votes. But when there's 538 votes in the whole electoral college and 50 states, as well as the capital of Washington, D.C.,
0: it takes reaching 270 votes to win president. That's the magic number needed. There have been times though, Claire, when this result has been different to what people call the popular vote, which is the count of individual Americans' votes.
1: Yeah, and again, that's because the electoral college formula sort of plays with how votes are ultimately counted. It's happened five times in the past, Mm -hmm. most recently to Hillary Clinton. She won the popular vote against Donald Trump, but Donald Trump, as we know, went on to
0: win the role of president. So that's the mechanics of how the system works. In this next section, we're going to take a look at some of the other factors in the 2020 presidential election campaign, like exactly who can vote and the all-important swing states. Contrary to here in Australia, where voting is compulsory, exactly who can vote is a contentious issue in itself in the US, Claire.
1: Yeah, and it's weird, isn't it, to think that a big democracy like US Mm. being eligible to vote is a thing. So in the 2016 election, turnout hit a 20-year low with 55% of eligible voters coming out on election day. You have to be over 18. You have to be a US citizen. In some states, you can't have a felony conviction. So that's all fairly straightforward. But you do have to be registered to vote in your state. A big study after the last election found that it's actually Apathy that prevents people from right. voting. But there's also regular accusations of what's called voter suppression across the US, where legal and illegal efforts are made to prevent eligible voters from exercising their right to vote on election day.
0: One thing I think we've all heard about the US presidential elections is how much money they take to run. A
1: lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Which means. The that, billions. Yeah. There's lots of fundraisers. And that gets us into the murky world of political donors. There's what's called super PACs. A PAC is a political action committee. They have unlimited abilities to raise uncapped donations, so a lot of money washing around there. But it's actually a lot of small donors that are involved too. In fact, last election, Donald Trump was able to draw about $280 million from small donors who gave $200 or less to his campaign. That made up about a third of his total fundraising effort. But to give you a sense of how much money it takes, in 2016, Hillary Clinton raised 1.19 billion Ooh. US dollars, Trump raised about650 million.
0: Though so they're a pretty expensive undertaking. The US is a big country and candidates have to be strategic with their time and money. What are the key states and why? Yeah,
1: so in Australia we would call them marginal seats mm-hmm. or marginal states, but in the US they're called swing states. It all comes down to that maths of the contest and those electoral college votes. But traditionally we're talking about Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania. There's quite a few of them. Mm. They're the perennial swing states. They could have a really big impact on an election result because of the electoral votes that they have. Florida is a really good example. It has 29 electoral college votes, which is
0: quite a few. So it's a pretty important state to win. So these swing states are definitely the ones to watch in the coming months in terms of campaigning and advertising dollars spent. And that's your shortcut to the US presidential elections. Stand by for November 2020. On to our recommendations. I'm recommending a podcast episode. It explains the electoral college system, which is definitely something that took me a minute to get my head around. <laughs> and Claire, I'm sneaking a second recommendation in. It's the soundtrack to Hamilton. Ugh. I know you're not a musical fan. really but not. <laughs> if you want to, it's, it's, it's so good. If you want your dose of American democratic history with a side of fun, Download that and check it out. I'm going
1: straight into politics. I recommend that you check out a website called Axios, which is A-X-I-O-S. It is a really great look at political news. It breaks it down into really great bite-sized chunks. doesn't take
0: a whole lot of time, but it's
1: very informative.
0: Links to all of these will be in your episode notes, and you can find more detail in the written version of this shortcut on our website as well. Head to thesquiz.com.au. If there is a topic you'd like a bit more background or context to, you can send us an email at at helloatthesquiz.com.au and we can get onto it. That's how this topic came about. And if you're enjoying Shortcuts, tell your friends or leave us a review. Until next time.